You are listening to the Blood on the Tracks podcast, an exploration and celebration of film soundtracks and scores. Welcome back to Blood on the Tracks, an exploration and celebration of movie soundtracks and scores. I'm your host, Lee Russell, and this is episode 29. We're getting up there. So we took a break on Halloween, let Lee Van Teeth have his annual Halloween show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I heard it was pretty good. He gave me the playlist. I haven't listened back to it yet, though. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if I'm still happy with him for next year. But um, people seem to like it anyway, so that's good. I was trying to rack my brain on what I wanted to do, and I figured, you know what, I really like movies about making movies, so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the soundtracks and scores of movies that are about making movies, or are sort of set in the movie-making business to some extent. It's going to be fairly fast and loose with a couple of these choices, and there were a lot of choices too. I had to do a lot of work to pare down my playlist this time out to keep it under an hour, and uh, I think you guys will like the choices I made, and I'm probably going to end up doing a part two sometime down the road because there was just a vast amount of stuff to uh, choose from here. that I Some stuff I had to cut that I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll do a part two, and I'll, I'll bring it back for that because... Uh, there's some good stuff, some really good stuff. So we're going to start off with three uh, choices here. A lot of longer pieces in this list too, by the way. We're going to start out with Dynamite Jim, English version, from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from 2019. And by the way, I'm going to be doing these in sort of reverse chronological order. Sometimes I do these lists for different themed shows in uh, chronological order. I've never done one backwards though, so we're going to be doing that. So Dynamite Jim, English version from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Nico Fidinko. Fidinko? Fidinko? I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of the group that does the vocals. If it is a group or a person, I don't know. If you're not familiar, Dynamite Jim was actually a spaghetti western. Kind of an obscure one. I had actually hadn't heard of it until uh, it was uh, brought up on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And... Yeah, uh, go figure, Quentin Tarantino is going to like name drop a uh, really obscure spaghetti western. And this is playing during the sequence where uh, Leo DiCaprio's character, his struggling actor whose career is going down the toilet, uh, goes to Italy and makes a bunch of spaghetti westerns to uh, revitalize his career. Then we're going to move on to Fruit and Icebergs from The Other Side of the Wind from 2018, the uh, long-lost and finally completed Orson Welles film. Uh, And this is done by Blue Cheer, and uh, this is playing prominently during the film within a film, where uh, John Huston, our director, is showing uh, the footage of his uh, new art film that he's just made. And, uh, of course, it's got uh, Oja Kadar, or whatever her name is, prancing around naked for most of it. And it's good times. It's very good times. Then we're going to finish off this group of songs with Rooftop Revelation from The Disaster Artist uh, by Dave Porter. And this was from 2017. And, of course, it was the movie about the making of The Room from Tommy Wiseau. 
All right, now we have four more tracks to get to before we get to our midway point and take our break. First off, we've got two comedies, and then we're going to switch to two films that are a little less funny, I guess, depending on your uh, your preference. They're more the seedy side of the film business, or the perceived seedy side for one of these, and one of them is just the seedy side, and it's not really even the film business, but uh, we'll get into it. First, we're going to look at Chinese Bamboo from Be Kind Rewind from 2008, and this is done by Jean-Michel Bernard. His name's spelt the French way, so I'm assuming it's pronounced that way. Come at me, bro. And, of course, this is the uh, most deaf Jack Black comedy about two um, schlubs who uh, have to restock their local mom-and-pop VHS store with low-budget remakes of all the films because the tapes all got erased because Jack Black has some sort of weird magnetic field. And this is a film that sort of pulls on the nostalgia strings heavily, speaks to just guys like me from my generation who grew up still in the VHS era, renting tapes, and, you know, people who just uh, fetishize VHS, and people who like the shot-on-VHS, shot-on-home-movie kind of uh, feel to things as well who liked those old schlocky horror movies that were done like that in the 80s, when everyone was getting a hold of video cameras for an affordable price and started making their own movies. So there's there's a lot of that that this movie plays off, but it never feels cynical to me the way they do it. It, it, it feels like a genuine love letter to that sort of culture. It's a fun film. I don't know if it's necessarily laugh out loud all the time funny. There are moments that are really funny. They get a chuckle out of me, but mostly it's just watching the movie... I smile a lot and just like, yeah, I really like this because it's a movie with its heart in the right place and it's entertaining. Then we're going to move on to a Wes Anderson film, The Life Aquatic with uh, Steve Zissou, or Zissou, uh, whatever. His sort of homage to uh, the Jacques Cousteau kind of uh, documentary filmmakers and there seems to be like homages to about a million other things as well in this Stuff he grew up watching. Some of the same stuff I grew up watching, honestly. For everything from Jacques Cousteau to uh, Johnny Quest. And uh, the track here is Ping Island slash Lightning Strike Rescue Op, which is very Johnny Quest in a way. Uh, it, it just sort of feels like it to me, where they're they're doing a <laughs> they're doing a uh, attack on a abandoned uh, island that used to have a old uh, hotel on it that got destroyed by like a tropical hurricane or something like that, and they're trying to rescue their uh, teammates. And this plays during that. Parts of this actually play throughout the film because it's a very long piece. Actually, that's probably my favorite Wes Anderson film. I can generally take or leave his stuff, but this one hits all the right notes for me. I love it quite a bit. I was actually debating whether I would include this or if it would be Search and Destroy from Iggy and the Stooges, uh, the scene where uh, Bill Murray decides to take it back his ship from the pirates who have uh, raided it, and he just takes a fucking handgun and starts shooting at them in this uh, over-the-top action sequence where he never once reloads the fucking gun but shoots about 8,000 rounds. Now we're going to move on to the darker stuff. Joel Schumacher, 8mm. This is the projector from Michael Dana, 8mm from 1999. Nicolas Cage in a movie involving the uh, underground snuff film industry. Because, of course, Nicolas Cage would be in a movie around that subject matter. I've only seen it once, so I'm not going to speak on 
what I thought of the movie, because I honestly I can't remember if it was good or bad. The soundtrack's really good. Then we're going to end off with Boogie Nights from 1997, and this is Roger Webb's Flying Objects, and this is a, an appropriately uh, disco-ish track, and uh, just fits the movie perfectly. And yeah, we're going to take our break after that, and we'll be back with the second half of the show.
you ungodly warlock. How about throwing a little beach party for yourself and letting these people to get to know you oh so better? Hey kids, it's me, your good friend Alistair, here to tell you about a wonderful movie podcast called Get Soft with Dr. Snuggles. What happens is, every two weeks, the love of my life, Siobhan and I, are joined by a cast of friends, family, internet weirdos, and special guests to guide you through the wild and woolly world of erotic thrillers and softcore films. Everything from alien abduction, intimate secrets, to Zarita, Passions Avenger, and all points in between. Check it out now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's that horrid man talking about? You ungodly warlock. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. We got some more tracks for your listening pleasure. First off, we're going to look at Panacea from Get Shorty from 1995. Of course, the John Travolta starring vehicle here. The adaptation of a Elmore Leonard property. Of course, they did a sequel later on that sucked major ass. The book was way better. The sequel is probably one of the worst fucking sequels I've ever seen in my life. It was just a fucking atrocious tragedy of epic proportions here, but uh, Get Shorty's still really good, and I think it holds up really well. It's one of Travolta's better uh, performances from his career resurrection after Pulp Fiction. And of course it's about gangster, or loan shark, basically, Chili Palmer, who uh, decides he wants to get in the movie business, and the complications that arise. But uh, Panacea here, this is done by someone called DJ Greyboy. I know nothing about this guy, other than this song sounds kind of like every other piece of music in the soundtrack. Get Shorty probably has one of the most consistent-sounding soundtracks I've ever heard, scores or soundtracks from any movie. Everything kind of sounds the same in it, for some weird reason. I, there's like almost no diversity at all, as far as I can remember. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. Uh, Get Shorty does have this sort of specific groove going on. That works for it. Then we're going to move on to Mr. Lugosi, Hypno Theme, from Ed Wood, from 1994. And this is done by Howard Shore, our old friend who keeps popping up on these lists. And of course, um, that was the Tim Burton film, Ed Wood, one of his last great films, I would argue. Maybe his last great film. I'd have to think about that for a second. He's made so many films I haven't even seen anymore. Uh, <laughs> I sort of gave up on him. But, um, yeah... Gotta like this film. If Well, you don't have to like it, but uh, I think it's pretty fucking good. And then we're gonna move on to Movie Theme 2 from Man Bites Dog from 1992. And this is from uh, Jean-Marc Chinut. Probably fucking that up. Sorry, Jean-Marc. Jean-Marc. Whatever. This is an interesting one. This is about a film crew that documents the day-to-day life of a serial killer, and a fairly prolific one at that, who just goes around killing people, and how they sort of get their lives intertangled with said serial killer. And it's a comment on documentaries and a lot of other things. I'm not going to get too deep into it, because this is just an hour program, and we got more music to get to after this block of songs. We'll be back after this.
we're ending off the show now. We've got three more tracks for you guys. First off, we're going to be looking at a track from Blowout from 1981, the Brian De Palma conspiracy thriller film about uh, John Travolta, yet again, <laughs> popping up in this. He's a sound engineer on films, and he's working for a low-budget slasher film and picks up some dialogue that would implicate someone in a conspiracy for an assassination plot. It's one of those paranoid conspiracy thrillers that were famous in the 1970s, and of course this is 1981, so you're not too far removed from that. Brian De Palma, great at this sort of stuff, or at least he used to be, and uh, it's a great film. And this is Coed Frenzy Disco by Pino Dinaggio from that film, and Part of the reason I included this on the list is just the title of the song alone is fucking great. <laughs> uh, then we're going to move on to 1980 with The Stuntman. And this is the main title from that by uh, Dominic Fontier. And man, this is a mindfuck of a movie. It's about a fugitive from the law who takes a job as a stuntman on a director's uh, shoot. And the director happens to be one of those guys who will do anything to put his art on the screen. He will take any risk. He'll put his uh, actors and crew in harm's way if it means getting the perfect shot. And it's sort of a comedy uh, drama at the same time. Um, a lot of bizarre shit going on. A lot of blurring of the lines between what's real and what's not. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I remember enjoying it a lot when I did watch it. And it's pretty much regarded as a sort of classic and uh, I need to get back to it I really do and then we're going to end off with a film that quite frankly I want to own and I've been trying to source a good version of this film it doesn't even have to be a good version as far as picture quality it can be like a VHS rip or whatever but uh, I'm looking for a copy of Hollywood Man from 1976 uh, the William Smith uh, Mary Warnoff starring film about a actor slash director who is uh, looking to finance his latest motorcycle picture and those pictures are starting to dry up around this time the low budget stuff the producers don't want to put money in it anymore so he ends up having to borrow money from the mob and the mob sends along uh, some actual bikers to uh, make sure things go well on the shoot of the set. Unfortunately, they didn't realize that the bikers they're sending, the leader of the gang, is a crazy motherfucker who uh, will kill people. And uh, it leads to a lot of complications with uh, William Smith's character. And it's a great little exploitation film. I'm looking for the uncut version of this thing. I know there's a bunch of different like DVD versions of this out there. And most of them look like they're the cut version. Like You can never tell like these burn-on-demand guys out there they, they get a hold of like the cut version on vhs and then they burn that and send it out and they'll give you like the wrong fucking times because no not necessarily to deceive you but um they'll give you the wrong run times just because they're not checking like even amazon and shit gives you the wrong run times on movies half the time because they don't do their uh, homework they don't care they're just trying to sell shit um and they kind of figure that you don't care either you they, they just figure you're a dummy and, you know, there are a lot of dummies out there who don't care. But uh, when you're a movie nerd, you kind of want the version you want at the runtime that you want. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'm sitting right now with this. But, um, yeah, the title track, Hollywood Man, by uh, Arnold Capitanelli and sung by Tony Chance. Uh, this is one of the movies that I guess inspired Quentin Tarantino when he was making 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's one of the films he screened beforehand to get people geared up for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the New Beverly, I guess. It's like, here's all the films you should be watching if you want to like really get what I'm going for with this film. And Hollywood Man was one of them. And uh, this is just great. It's, it's kind of goofy. It's kind of old school. Uh, it kind of doesn't fit the picture that that you watch, but it kind of fits at the same time. I, I, it's just, it's, it's both corny and awesome at the same time, I think. Uh, so there you go. We're going to end off. Thanks for listening. And who knows what we'll be back with to end off the year in the next episode, episode 30 guys. Can't believe we've gotten this far with this show, but, uh, thanks for listening and, uh, we'll be back.
Thank you for listening to Blood on the Tracks. 
For other episodes of this podcast, as well as our main podcast, They Must Be Destroyed on Site, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.